Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to A Little Bit Dusty, all sourcing yards from the outback and the bush. Grab a hot or cold one and enjoy the conversation ahead. G'day guys, welcome to another episode of A Little Bit Dusty. Thanks very much for joining us. I'm your host Tyson Godden. Big thanks to everyone who's given us some great feedback on my conversation with Bushy from Back to the Bush. It's good to know that people are uh, more interested in uh, the bush and the environment and the uh, rural fire service kind of side of things as well. It's been great to have these kind of conversations. We're diving into something a little bit different today. I came across this organisation from listening to another podcast, uh, Flat Stick, through these comedians, uh, Brett Blake and Nick Kappa. And uh, the way they were going on about this organisation, I thought this is something I'm very interested in. It ticks all the boxes of uh, well-being and mental health and the country and rural laws and that sort of thing. And we are joined by the head of this organisation, Ayu Bogdmay. Good evening, Mary. How are you? Good evening, Tyson. I'm very well, thank you. That's the way. Let's, uh, just for the listeners who haven't heard much about kind of what you do or are you bogged mates all about, um, let's talk a little bit about how did it start, um, you know, how did it kind of come about and had you had much experience in the outback before taking on this role with you and your team? Um, yeah, it all actually came about quite by accident. Um, I'm actually an ag scientist, so I oh, really? um, ah. was travelling around the country and working in the broad ag- agriculture sector in spray application technology and drift management. And, um, yeah, we, we lost two guys in, in my area to suicide <clears throat> in a very short space of time, um, over Christmas, actually. And right. it was, um, that's a really tough thing for a community to come to terms with. So I'm fairly Absolutely. well known for saying what I think. So I actually sat down and I wrote an opinion piece, just an article, and um, told people what I thought about it. And it turns out a few people agreed with me. And so on the back of that, it's just grown organically from from that article, really. Um, we, in, in that article, I used the analogy of mental health and depression is a bit like getting bogged. And sometimes we can get ourselves through those sticky mm. patches. But then when we get properly bogged, we actually have to ask someone for help. And that's not always easy to do. Um, but as for my experience in, in the bush or the outback, um, yes, I actually grew up in the outback um, in southwest Queensland. Okay. Yeah. Southwest Queensland. Whereabouts in southwest Queensland? A little place called Bollum. I have heard of Bollum. I've been there, actually. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, very yeah. good. So it's between oh, so St. George and Kalamala. Yes, yeah. So you're essentially 
that voice for a lot of people because you voiced your opinion on, I suppose, the situation and that was made it easier for a lot of other people to, to come out and speak their mind about what they thought about the whole thing of losing close ones to suicide as well. That's a very, uh, it's a very powerful movement and it, it's taken off, I suppose. It's, um, yeah, well done. It doesn't, like you said before, it doesn't, uh, doesn't come easy for people to speak about these sort of things. Yeah, it's, it's made a massive difference into rural and uh, regional Australia for, for your organisation, so... Yeah, it's, um, I guess I'm not, well, I'm not certainly not a qualified psychologist or counsellor. I actually have no training in mental health whatsoever. Um, but what I was doing in the ag sector was really taking fairly complex scientific, um, theories and, and, um, practices and technology and making it more user friendly. And so that's really all I'm doing with this mental health stuff is, um, peeling away all the fluffy crap, really and um, just taking it back to basics um, about self-care and managing our mental health. Um, I use a lot of analogies. Mm. Getting rid of all the stigma and nonsense. Yeah, I use a lot of analogies. I make it practical and user-friendly, particularly for the men. So that's, I guess, why it's um, fairly popular because I don't use any big fancy psychology words. Yeah, yeah. And I want to touch on that as well because... I think a lot of people don't realise or people say from my area, the northern beaches of Sydney or those in like, you know, in the city, in whatever state or whatever, a lot of people could possibly think, you know, that food just comes from the shops and water comes from the tap, but the uh, effort and the labour and everything required for, you know, us Australians to get our goods and our resources, there's a lot of work that goes into play and if uh, a disaster happens like, you know, like a drought or a flood and someone's crops are wiped out or someone could lose hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of uh, their years worth of, you know, sales in one go, it could obviously have a very big uh, impact on someone's mental health. And I think uh, for, yeah, farmers and everyone in these rural and regional areas, it definitely, it carries out a little bit different because it's, you know, everyone kind of assumes or would know, depending on who they've spoken to or who they who they know, who are farmers or whatever, that it's a very kind of just keep on going and a very kind of she'll be right kind of attitude when uh, reality that could, you know, in that mindset, something else could be bottling up and then it takes an event like suicide or something for then people to realise, oh, there was more going on than just someone saying that they were just struggling a little bit. So, um, yeah, very important to open up that floor for that conversation and uh, to make sure that, yeah, everyone's kind of doing okay in whatever tough time. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's um, just limited to, to the city people who think our um, food comes from the supermarket and water comes from taps. I think there's an awful lot of politicians who think that too. Oh, well, yeah, that too, um, obviously. <laughs> the, the, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's pretty frightening stuff. Yes, and I, especially I guess when they're the, making the yeah, policies the for those resources that, too. Our food and our water, the water market yeah, and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, it's an endless, it's a it's a disaster. Yeah. But sorry, yeah, go on. It is quite yeah, a disaster. Yeah, yeah. We're working into the politics. But it's, it, yeah, there is a lot more going on um, and... You know, I guess when the whole COVID thing started, it was a um, a bit of an eye opener for city people to see the impact on their business when when things were shut down, and um, even when we had snap lockdowns here in Queensland, um, you know, people were saying to me, "Oh, you know, our, my friend's coffee shop has had to shut for three days or five days, and they've had no income." And I said, "Yep, I know that's tough." Um, but I'm dealing with farmers who have had 12 yeah, years with no yeah. income because of drought. So, you know, that's a big hit. And even though we've had some great rain in a lot of places, there's that's still places right. that are drought declared. Um, and I guess, you know, we only, we're only seeing the floods and that on, on the TV now. And 
Certainly a lot of farming areas have had too much rain. It's the other end of the spectrum. Um, but even if it rains, it doesn't actually rain money. They've still got to wait for the next season to grow another crop or produce the, the livestock and, and get that income. So from the point of, of rain to actually having money in the bank can often be a couple of years as well. So, um, yeah, they're not out of the woods in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah, it can be a very kind of drawn-out process because a lot of people, again, yeah, might think that, um, oh, there's a shortage of whatever food here, you know, like oh, I wonder why. It's like, oh, well, it's because either someone hasn't had enough water to grow the crop or they've, you know, all the crop's been flooded out or there's been rain in different areas and everything's seasonal, so it becomes, yeah, quite a prolonged process. Yeah, and one of the big impacts certainly from COVID is um, workforce and, you know, when, when we had our international borders closed, even state borders was um, bad enough, but um, there's an awful lot of agricultural jobs in this country that are done by backpackers and um, foreign workers. Yeah. And so that's a, been a huge hit uh, and an ongoing problem and still now even a bigger problem. Um, you know, farmers have always had trouble getting people to work at harvest time and um, so it's it's been a huge hit and even just over 12 months since I was in North Queensland and they couldn't get anyone to pick bananas back then and, and that was... You know, they're cutting bunches and, and dropping them on the ground because they couldn't get anyone to, to carry them out of the paddocks and, and do that. And, and, you know, there's fruit and veggie farmers all over Australia in the same boat that are um, struggling to get workforce. Um, unfortunately, the bottom line is Australians don't really want to do this work. Um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's the thing. That's tragic, isn't it? Like, you know, obviously, yeah, through COVID, it played a massive example of just how reliant we are on our backpacker workers. Um, a lot of a lot of them from, say, you know, Polynesian countries or other similar uh, are more than happy, or, you know, more than happy to or enjoy, you know, working these seasons because it provides a great income for the family back home. So there's benefits to that. But uh, while a lot of people are, you know, possibly on welfare here in Australia, um, unfortunately, there's no, I suppose, incentive or initiative for other people to go out and help these farmers to, you know, to go out and help them with a season or two. Um, there's been plenty of times where I've been very close to, you know, thinking about just packing up and going out for a season or two. But unfortunately, being here in Sydney, I've been stuck in the rat race of certain opportunities come up and it's like, oh, well, this is also a six to 12 month commitment. So it kind of pushes that idea, well, for me at least, back a bit further. But, um, because I've done a bit, fair bit of travelling through rural Australia as well, I know going through some of these areas and the people I've spoken to, uh, just how difficult that would be. So if you've got, not so if you not if you don't have any uh, crops to sell or anything to sell, if you've got too much to give away, but you have no one to pick them or no one who's wanting to buy them, then you'll have examples like what you said before: people just having piles of just bananas or strawberries or avocados or whatever it may be, just on the ground, you know, because they just can't get them to sale. It's uh, it's crazy, isn't it? It certainly is crazy, and I guess um, you know, a lot of this is quite hard work. Um, and it it is, mm. I find it quite sad that Australians don't want to do that. They'd rather um sit on welfare than than do this hard work, which is a shame. Um, some of it is is very hard, but I guess there's there's also a lot of jobs out there for people who aren't um, you know, young and fit and strong. Um, this there's, there's certainly lots of stuff for. Um, for, you know, retired people even, um, you know, farm sitting and stuff like that, uh, looking after yep. these places so that these people can actually go away for medical appointments or, um, you know, go away for a holiday if, you know, they ever get a break to do so. So there's there's heaps of stuff out there um, that's not not necessarily hard hard work, but, um, yeah, there is plenty of hard work in, in agriculture, that's for sure. 
Yeah, it's it's almost it's quite a contrast. I mean, you'd have you know your classic ad, you know your TV ad from the eighties. I think it was the Victoria Bitter ad. You know, a hard day's work is a big cold beer, and they'd you know shot it all like you know. There's always different blokes you know slogging it out in the sun. And it's like, oh yeah, that's kind of that's the that's the Australian way. You know, work hard and have a go and that sort of thing. But uh, I suppose maybe from coming from a trade background, like the last few weeks, I've been you know demolishing units and that sort of thing. I enjoy I quite enjoy a lot of kind of labor intensive kind of hard Jakob kind of hard work. And so from my eyes, I suppose I kind of think, well, why wouldn't anyone else want to get into this? But like what a few people have said to me that I've been um, subcontracting for recently, they've said, well, during COVID and that sort of thing as well, a lot of people, if they, uh, you know, had an ad to, you know, be a laborer for some construction company for 30 bucks an hour, they would much rather go work at a cafe uh, for either 30 or 28 an hour because it's a low-risk environment, it's a low-risk job, you're in the same area the whole time and you know it's a similar pay without the back-breaking work. But I suppose from my perspective, I kind of see it as like a as more a visual aesthetic thing as well. Same as something like, you know, mowing a lawn or knocking down a wall or whatever, you know, it's like you can visually see what you've done and you have that sense of achievement. It's like, oh, I've built this or I've helped, you know, construct this or remove this or whatever. So I can imagine... Um, if I was to go out there and do a bit of picking or a season as being a jackaroo or whatever, it'd be that thing of like, oh, this is what I've achieved. This is what I've helped also help help them with their succession in whatever they're trying to sell or move or whatever it is too. But unfortunately, other people don't share that same perspective, which is uh, a bit of a shame really. Yeah, it is. Um, and I guess, look, it's not just all about jobs on farms. Our rural towns are really struggling to, to get people to work, you know, in restaurants and cafes. And there's heaps of hospitality jobs and tourism jobs in, in the outback in particular, um, especially at this time of year. Uh, you know, our, our tourism operators in, in rural areas are, are struggling to get um, to get staff. And I guess it's, you know, sometimes, may, maybe people have lost their sense of adventure, but I certainly don't know anyone who's gone and done a season somewhere or, moved to the Territory for 12 months or, you know, done something different. I don't know anyone who's ever regretted it and absolutely loved it. Yeah, um, well, I mean, yeah. Certainly some of the agriculture jobs can be long. They can be long days, they can be hot days and they can be hard days. But there's heaps of jobs out there in air conditioning as well. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's thinking that don't just think about digging ditches on farms um, or picking fruit or, or backbreaking work. There's, um, yeah, our tourism operators and you know, local businesses are struggling to find staff to work in, in shops and um, cafes and retail outlets, all those sorts of things. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it all comes back down to, yeah, that community uh, and how that the economy and the financial economy of that community can keep going as well. So, uh, if some, if say, if a farmer or someone that had meat or fruit and veggies to sell in whatever markets, they would obviously need people to help operate and run those. But uh, yeah, from those said examples of that kind of work as well, if no one's willing to do them, then uh, yeah, a lot of uh, small towns would be yeah in quite a bit of a struggle. It's a bit of a, again, yeah, it's just a bit of a shame. There's a friend of mine, Isaac Holmes, who I chatted to a little while ago, and he uh, went and helped out in a farm for about 12 months. Yeah, he, yeah, he went out Stayed in a farm, you know, did a lot of droving, uh, all sorts of things, and then went back to the city in Sydney. And he said that experience from everyone else and all his mates who, you know, have grown up around, you know, his area, my area, uh, the stories that he was able to share with them and the kind of their sense of perspective kind of really opened up, opened up as well because they've kind of said, oh, you've gone out and done all this and your, your, your eyes have opened, your horizons have expanded as to 
the whole process of you know raising an animal to going you know into the packages to going into the supermarkets or the markets or what have you and um it was a really it was a great it was a great yarn but also kind of made me think that yeah that was one example of someone who's willing just to go out there and give it a crack but also just be really uh intrigued and just to how the whole process goes so um i do hope through conversations like this and others previous with other guests that they can other listeners can um yeah get a bit of an insight or a bit of an inkling as to go into an adventure to uh help someone out for a season of whatever work it may be because uh yeah obviously a lot of rural towns and that you know they need the spare hands but i can imagine it'd be nothing more than a positive experience you know you'd have your trials and tribulations along the way but that end goal like i was saying before would be yeah definitely worth it yeah absolutely and i think um you know the example you just gave is a great one of um people coming out and and getting to know what happens and how it's done um i I feel there's such a disconnect between the country and the Mm. city in australia nowadays um when i was a kid you know everyone in the city knew someone in the country and went there for holidays or you know had country cousins or something and um, i think we've lost a lot of that um now and i think um the disconnect of not understanding how things are done and people just take a position in the city when they don't actually understand the reality. Um, You know, we see this with extreme activism in relation to animal production, um, you know, irrigation and things like that. Um, So I think it's it's getting out there and actually seeing what's being done and just, and you know, particularly in farming in Australia, like we have the most, um, you know, scientifically and technologically advanced farmers in the world and it blows people's mind when, um, they come to, uh, you know, a modern-day Australian farm <clears throat> and I think they're expecting the farmer to be standing there in bib and brace overalls, leaning on a pitchfork, yeah, chewing yeah, on yeah, straw. Yeah, it's a lot different now. Um, and, you know, farming like, yeah, farming like perhaps in the 1940s and it's just not like that. Yeah, there's um, a lot of science and technology involved. And it, yeah. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, and, um, you know, I've worked in various industries over the years and um, particularly in the cotton industry and that's a classic okay. one for everyone jumps on a bandwagon and has an opinion when they actually don't know anything about cotton production yeah, or yeah. how it's done. And I used to have um, days where we had um, university students come out and they were environmental and town planning students and they would come to the cotton farm and, and see what happened and we'd had speakers to speak on different things and the farmer would talk about how he does it and, you know, the environmental stuff and all of the And they would just go away with a whole other perspective and go, wow, we only came on this tour to bag cotton farming. <laughs> um, you know, and, but when they actually see how, what's the technology and the science behind it, they, they're quite taken aback. Um, so I think, yeah, the more people can get out and just, even if it's an extended holiday or a short holiday even, um, you know, rural Australia has got open arms to welcome people and, and show people what they do. Um, there's certainly no cloak and dagger out here about how it's done, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, especially people who are either working in hospitality or university students or anyone who's doing a course or a degree that have a, a six to eight week kind of break between semesters, surely there's lots of windows where people can go out and lend a hand in whatever uh, job may be for for any farm work there as well. I mean, there'd be, yeah, there'd be a lot of positions open, but like I was saying before, it depends on the initiative and the motivation of that person to go out there and actually uh, give it a go. There's a lot of industries around Australia that offer gap year programs or even, um, you know, scholarships and things like that. So, um, yeah, really encourage school leavers to, in particular to go and um, find an industry that, that, you know, that's offering a gap year program and, um, you know, have a bit of fun and see what it's like out in the bush for, for 12 months, do some hard work and... Um, and go back with with hopefully a fresh perspective on things. Yeah, I mean, especially if someone's just left high school as well, because I know that a lot of my friends that had a gap year, they just, you know, worked and kind of like drifted around and it was just kind of, oh, this will be my 12 months before I can decide what I want to do. But uh, in amongst that, there probably wouldn't have been as many life lessons or skills or a chance to, uh, you know, advance your skill set and, you know, and be more handy with things like going out onto a farm for 12 months. I can imagine it would be a yeah, really wicked opportunity. Yeah, and there's lots of things out there, you know, even governessing jobs for, for you know, school leavers who are interested in pursuing a, a career in teaching. Um, you know, what a wonderful experience to go and teach some children in the outback and yeah. um, get that whole different perspective on education. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to what you do, so say in Sydney, you know, if someone was, uh, you know, possibly a bit down and out or wanted someone to speak to, they can either have the ease of access to either going to a psychologist, psychiatrist, ringing a couple of numbers, going to possibly a men's group or something like that. Uh, for those who are in, say, the suburbs or the beaches, my area in the city, how big is the difference, I suppose, compared to those in rural areas of the outback? Uh, how big is the difference of the ease of resources or help or assistance when someone's in a dire situation or is mentally not well or mentally co- uh, coping or declining? It's it's a lot harder to access those resources in the uh, in the regions in rural Australia, isn't it? It certainly is, and we um, we certainly have a, a drastic um, lack of of um, those resources out there. I mean, there's certainly a lot of those you know the numbers that people can call, but. Um, essentially we're dealing with a different demographic that's not really going to pick up the phone and ring those numbers. Mm. Um, they they deal with things in a different way, I guess, and their own way. And um, 
you know, even if they do go to see their doctor and, and get a, um, an appointment or a referral to a psychologist or something like that, um, the waiting time in some of these areas can be three to four months or, or more. Even. Far out. Um, and, yeah, and, you know, it's it's pretty tough when I've had a, a bloke stand in front of me with, you know, tears rolling down his face and he said, yeah, I can get an appointment in the city, but they said it will be four months. And he just said, I won't be here in four months. Right. And, you know, yeah. that's pretty tough. That's what it comes yeah, down so, to. Yeah, so... But look, even in the cities, I, I certainly know in some of the large regional towns, um, it's very difficult to even get in to see a psychologist or a counsellor um, on a short time frame as well. So that's where a lot of those, um, you know, the, the phone numbers are coming into their own and the text-based systems. Um, but yeah, access to services, you know, minimum of a six-week wait, I'd suggest, in, in most areas. And right. that's really, you know, that's a long time. Yeah, especially when there's a problem or a situation at hand and if that escalates within those six weeks or even longer as well, who knows what the end result of that could be until someone is able to reach that person to try and give him assistance. Yeah, and we're certainly dealing with stigma out there, I guess. Um, you know, once we get into rural Australia, we're looking at, um, you know, that quintessential big tough Aussie bloke you were talking about, the VB ad earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so there's there's not a lot of help-seeking behaviour there. Um and again, I think a lot of the services are targeted to the way women operate. And this is one of the things I talk a lot about is um, we need services that are much more male friendly and targeted to the way men um, communicate, the way men heal, the way men grieve, the way men learn. Yeah. Um, you know, we certainly need services for women, but we, I think we've got this broad brush approach um, and, you know, in Australia we don't have a national strategy for male suicide prevention. There's talk of and development of one now, hopefully, but um, that's purely based on, on pressure put on governments to develop something because we have this one-size-fits-all and mm. it doesn't work. Yeah, it definitely well, doesn't. I don't, I don't think it's working when 70, 76% of the suicides are male. Yeah, that's right. It's one of the leading causes of death of males between, what, like 18 to 45, and it's terrible. I mean, I've lost a mate to suicide. I've got a lot of other friends who have been in a similar circumstance it's also why i'm a part of uh why i'm a, a facilitator for my friend's charity uh speak up mate uh ricky kavanagh uh also who runs the uh runs the charity you know he started it because he lost a mate to suicide he thought well i too i want to make a difference and open up this environment where men can talk about what's going on be in contact with each other keep it you know reach out to each other but also uh look out for the warning signs in case a dangerous situation is to occur so um I know that through some of my friends and people I know, they've wanted to be a part of this, uh, I suppose, uh, just this, not, not movement, just, I suppose, a part of the mental health space because they've had a personal experience with it. So in, in saying that, if, if someone was to uh, go to, say, you know, uh, a shed or a kind of country town, they see the big, are you bogged made banner? and you've got, say, either you or some of your team speaking, what's the kind of process within the day if you were to go to a town and chat about what's going on? How does, what's the kind of procedure? How, does, how do you operate if, some, if you were to go to a, a location? Um, so essentially I, I speak at events and so we, um, I just turn up and I've got everything in my ute, the projector, the screen, um, microphone, you name it, it's all in there, but um, essentially I need a captive audience to sit there um, they and so the organisers just need to provide people and chairs, I say, and if they want food and drinks, that's even better. But um, I talk for about 45 to 50 minutes and I, I go through, yeah, basically how it started. Um, I talk about the statistics. I go, um, 
and which frightens a lot of people. A lot of people are not aware of of just how dire the, the stats are right. um, for male suicide in Australia and then particularly for rural areas. So rural men are twice as likely to take their own life yep. as city blokes. Um, and, yes, yeah, so I go into the stats. Um, I talk about the, the signs and symptoms and, and things to look for and things like that. Um, one of the things I talk a lot about is is managing your your own mental health and, and how to do that. And I talk about buckets um, and I use heaps of analogies, all different analogies, but all sort of relevant to, to rural Australia. I yep. talk about working dogs, use windscreens, vehicles, you name it, oh, heaps yeah. of different analogies. And so it's not um, it's not big, scary um, psycho babble, I call it. So it's, it's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just yeah. keep it keep it real. Um, yeah. You know, we have a few laughs. I, I crack a few jokes that probably aren't that funny, but they seem to laugh sometimes. Um, you know, it's a pretty tough topic so we it can't oh, be got a laugh to break the ice sometimes yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so um yeah so we do a, a bit of that but there's, there's serious stuff um and yeah i read a poem that i wrote as well that that cracks through a few of the blokes as well so oh, nice. um yeah so it's um yeah it's more about managing it and and looking out for your mates and and i guess putting it in perspective that no matter how badly bogged the machine is, we don't get out and set fire to it and say that's too hard. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we always take the time to get that machine out. So um, I guess that's the, the basis of the bogged analogy is, yeah, it might be messy and it might take some time, but we can always get that machine out. So, yeah. Hmm. You've got a couple of uh, different groups that have uh, supported Are You Bogged Mate along the way. Uh, a couple of examples is Rural Aid, Lifeline, and uh, TX is short for This Is A Conversation Starter. It's the number from trade, from Trademark who make, uh, I suppose, uh, funky kind of loud workwear to start a loud conversation about mental health and reduce the impact of suicides in males between the trade industry and also just across Australia. When did these kind of groups come on board and support Are You Bogged, Mate? Was it kind of during the start of your operations or along the line when you're going to a bit more traction? Um, well... And just to clarify that not necessarily supporting, we're probably supporting them by putting their numbers out there on our website. So essentially right. we're not a crisis, we're not a crisis support service yep. um, and we don't pretend to be one. So we need to, um, you know, be mates with, work with other organisations that we believe um, provide a service that is applicable to, to the men in particular that we're working with. So, um so yeah, look, we've worked with with those organisations on on a few different levels, um, and either done combined events or or just collaborated um, and talked to them about what they do and how they do it. And so we've put them on our website as a as a you know resources where people can go because um, yeah, we're not a crisis support, um, but we will never turn someone away. And you know, I do frequently get situations where men would want to they want to talk to me they won't ring anybody else they won't call any of these numbers that we suggest um that they just they just want to have a chat um with me and i guess the work i've done in in agriculture is you know it it's a probably a very good foundation because when they tell me that the the cedar blew up they don't have to explain to me what that means or what that is yeah or, you know, okay something broke down if they're talking about some piece of machinery or the the cattle market or the you know whatever market it is the grain market um the rainfall or the disease in the crop or whatever it is i i'm aware of it so i i know you know i guess i'm familiar with the terminology so 
I can talk shop with them um, yes. as yeah, well. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and look, some blokes often, you know, ring up to find out about nozzles or spraying, which is my previous life or still a little bit of my life, but um, they use that as a bit of a segue into, you know, they might spend 10 minutes talking about the, the spray rig and then they start talking about bolt and, you know, oh, that might okay. be a 40 month. 45-minute oh. conversation. So it's, um, yeah, they, and, you know, I, I always refer people on to one of the professional services and make sure that they know that I'm not a professional, Yeah. Um, you know, in, particularly in crisis support, but I have had situations where I've essentially had to talk someone down from a ledge. Um, right. Yeah, so I, that's, um, but, yeah, I've, I also rely on those services, particularly the virtual psychologist, Um from the virtual psychologist is pretty much on my speed dial. If I ever need, um, you know, a, a clinical psychologist on the end of the phone to to assess somebody, I will say to the bloke, look, you know, do you want to have a yarn to this lady? I just, you know, need to know that you're okay. And so, yeah, we've got a really good working relationship with those services that we have listed on our website. Oh, very good. And yeah, well, it must be quite handy for you from your uh, uh, previous uh, fields of work for other people to provide that relativity or just kind of go, oh, they can talk about this first because, um, you know, Mary has done this in previous uh, careers and then eventually, yeah, working into talking into the nitty gritty. So, yeah, it could be a good way for a lot of people to break the ice for wanting to get started that conversation. So, uh, yeah, very handy on your behalf. Um, so how long has Are You Bogged Mate been going for and kind of where do you see it going within the next five years? Have Is there anything you want to uh, try and achieve or you just want to kind of get more... Uh, people to recognise, you know, what you guys are about and try and be a bit, invo- a bit more involved that way? Where do you kind of see Are You Bogged Mate in the future? Um, it's about four and a half years or four years last February since I wrote the article, so yeah, four and a half years. Um, okay. It's really taken off since um, two years ago, uh, ABC Landline did a story on me. And oh, awesome. that's I wasn't really ready for the, for the landline effect. Um, it just... Yeah, it just completely exploded um, in popularity and in interest and in demand. Um, my calendar is pretty much booked out six months in advance. Um, wow. And so, yeah, so we haven't had a lot of time to to try and think of other things to expand, but we've um, in the last few months we've been busily looking at other things that we can bolt on that doesn't necessarily add to my workload that other people can do Um to diversify it, I guess, and, and not just be completely reliant on me going around the country speaking. Um, at this stage, the organisation is um, myself as full-time and a part-time PA who manages the calendar and takes all the bookings and stuff like that. So um, oh, yeah. pretty pretty small. We've got a great board of directors who are um, really helpful in, in driving it and stuff. But it, honestly, the my biggest problem is not enough hours in the day, to be honest. Um, it's um, Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, gets pretty full on. Yeah. Oh, very good. Is there any uh, any other kind of points or things you would like to add for listeners? If there's any other information they could check out or anything related to your blog mate or any kind of websites or links or anything they can find out more information about what you and your team do? Yeah, um, people can certainly jump on the Are You Bogged Mate website and on there they can read the original article that started all this trouble. Um, the My opinion piece that I... There's I'm, a lot of great reads on there, by the way, listeners. I'd highly encourage everyone having a read of all the different things that are on that website because, yeah, very intuitive, written very beautifully and uh, really puts into perspective just how troublesome some people uh, can get themselves into, yeah, a few different puddles. Yeah, and we've got, um, got our social media as well. 
So um, that often shows where I am around the country and, um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a pretty busy time. Pretty busy time, and um, mm. shout out to our sponsors who are who keep keep um, supporting what we do and and getting us around the country. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for your time, Mary. You're doing a great thing. Um, I hope that yeah, everyone, every other listener, if you've enjoyed this episode, please go onto the Are You Bogmate Instagram, uh, the website, read all about it, uh, see if you can get involved somehow, or even just reading some of the testimonials or some uh, things from other people who've you know who have been bogged and have had the resources that have uh, you know from Mary and other people in her team who have been able to get themselves into uh, an easier situation. So again, Mary, thank you very much for your time. It's been a great conversation. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your night. Thanks very much, Tyson. Cheers. Thank you.